let's go to our scripture reading, which is going to be found in Romans chapter 5. And we're going to be reading verses 1 to 11. Please stand. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, and we will be reading responsively. When you are there, say amen. Amen. All right. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath from wrath through him. Altogether, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. May the Lord bless the hearing and reading of his word. Happy Sabbath, saints. Happy Sabbath. Amen. I have the, um, I have the pleasure of delivering the sermon this morning. Um, I thank God for all of you. Uh, it's an awesome responsibility to, to have um, someone who is as undeserving as I to come before you. Um, I've been asked to do this uh, at a time when many of us are, on, are at camp meetings. So I guess I'm like the last result. But thank God, I'm very, very pleased to be to be the last result. If I can just be, make it to heaven and be a doorkeeper, that will be good enough for me. So I welcome this opportunity. I, um, will, I would encourage all of you to, to have this opportunity to do this. It's um, a wonderful thing to do and it's such a, such a responsibility and puts such a burden on your heart and it, it causes you to, to do a lot of self-reflection. Um, so let's pray, first of all. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your saints. I pray, Father, that you will help me to speak with boldness and help me to, th to speak with an organized mind. And I pray that those that, that are listening, dear Lord, may be able to take something away from this sermon that will be salvific to them, if not educational, but it may even be a time where I may be able to stand on the sideline and cheer, cheer them on to higher heights and have more of a victory for them. Um, Help us to keep our eyes on your holy, righteous character and try to emulate it. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. This, uh, what I would like to speak to you about um, today comes um, also from what uh, Elder Pinnock had started last, last Sabbath. 
The title of what he addressed us with was How to Surrender. While the title of my sermon today, of my talk with you today is Who Will Be Able to Stand? Um, I asked him last week if I might be able to borrow some of what he did last week and he told me, yes, please do. There's no, there's no, um, there's no copyright on the word of God, he told me. So it's free for all of us to use whenever we want to use it. And so is our ability to choose. It's there for us to use it whenever we want to choose, whenever we choose to. And I believe this is why we come to church, so that we will be able to make the right decisions when the time comes. There's only just a few of us here, here today, but um, the need is still here, just as great as if we, if, if, as if I were facing people all in balconies and 5,000 people, every soul is precious in God's sight. Yes? We got some of the worst in us, they had to bring us here. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very, very true there, Elder. Very true. Very true. Um, and it is also amazing to me that we are now uh, in, in Sabbath studies talking about the crucible of Christ. Um, hmm. Why we go through these crucibles. I don't know if you can see this or not, but this is how gold is, 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 is melted down to a, to a liquefied state. And in the middle of this crucible, we see the face of Jesus Christ. I want you during this sermon to put yourself in that, in that crucible, to substitute yourself in that crucible. Now, in a very real sense, that's what we are doing. That's what we should want to do. That's what we should pray that God will work with us. God will purify us. God will begin to, and he has already begun this, this marvelous work in us, and that he will perfect it. But in order to perfect, to perfect it, we must go through trials. We should expect trials. We should welcome trials. James tells us to rejoice whenever we go through a fiery trial. And in that, and also we're told in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you that you partake in Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Who will be able to stand? Perfect love casts out fear, and the cowards will not enter into the kingdom. So fear, fear not. <clears throat> Every day, Whenever I go to work, unfortunately, even in my own household, I find myself in the minority, in the minority. Not just because of the color of my skin, but in the minority because of my religious thinking. Sometimes um, it can be a burden to continue on this blood strain banner. Um, I cannot do this on my own. At one time I thought I could, but I'm finding that every time I try to run this race and to fight these battles on my own, I fail. It's not meant to, if, if I were able to do, to do these things on my own, then there would be no need for Christ to have died on the cross. 
if in fact when we start these, this, this journey of soul salvation, if we fail, that's why we have Jesus who forgives us. He has won the victory over sin. So if we fail, we get back up, we thank God for his mercy, we thank God for his grace, and we start over again. Whenever you sin, please do not become so despondent that you cannot react. For when you do that, that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Kick you down and, keep, and stomp you down. Don't try to get back up. Because once you are down, that's where he wants you to be. And in fact, a true Christian, that's where you really want to be. Because we are told that when we are weak, then that's when we are strongest. If we turn to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do not try to do this on your own because these things are too great for us. I've, this is what I found out in almost 70 years of being on this earth. Elder Pennock talked about the fact of having an intelligent faith, a faith that is not because of what someone told you, but it's a faith of, of something that you have searched out. It's a faith that, uh, about an area that you've prayed for. It's a faith where God has opened an enlightened door for your mind. And it's a faith where you can take those intelligences and tell someone else to make them a better Christian, to make them a better person. Put yourself in a position for God to help, to help you by being proactive. He also mentioned uh, that God, Christ wounds to, wounds to heal. We go through these trials so that God may heal us, so that we can see our, our weakness, so that we can see our, our imperfections and call upon his infinite power. He has given us the power of choice, which is part of the science of salvation. We have the ability to make these choices. He does not want us to be robots, but to use our minds, to use our talents for his service. He who reads the hearts of men knows their character better than they themselves know them. He sees that some have powers and sensibilities which rightly directed, might be used in the advancement of his work. In his providence, he brings these people into different positions and varied circumstances that they may discover in their character the effects which have been concealed from their own knowledge. He gives them opportunity to correct these defects and to fit themselves for his service. Often, he permits the fires of affliction to assail them that they may be perfected. I'm sorry, so that they may be purified. Ellen G. White, The Ministry of Healing, page 471. Excuse Bear with me, if you will, because at this point, what I want to do is I want to turn into a reader. So please listen to these things and try to see if there's not a message here for you someplace. For Ministries in the Home in Testimonies of the Church, Volume 4, the prophetess writes, the apostle says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust uncertain riches, 
but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Your means are given to you, your means are given to us where needed, not to hoard up for destruction in the great conflagration, conflagration of the great fire. You are, bird, you are bidden to enjoy the good gifts of the Lord and should use them for your own comfort, for charitable purposes, and in the good works to advance his cause, thereby laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Many of your afflictions may have visited upon you. Many of your afflictions have been visited upon you in the wisdom of God to bring you closer to the throne of grace. He softens and subdues his children by sorrows and trials. This world is God's workshop where he fashions us for the courts of heaven. He uses the planning knife upon our quivering hearts until the roughness and irregularities are removed and we are fitted for our proper place in the heavenly building. Through tribulation and distress, the Christian becomes purified and strengthened and develops a character after the model that Christ has given. The influence of a true godly life cannot be measured. It reaches beyond the immediate circle of home and family, shedding a light that wins souls to Christ. Um, let's take a look at 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 11, uh, verses 10 through 19. 1 Peter, hmm. it's right here. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 19. Are we there? Say amen, if we are. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God hath given that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Did I go over? Oh, no. Verse 12. Beloved, think it not, a strange, think it not strange concerning the fiery, the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, and that when his, in, in that, uh, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be approached, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of, of glory and of God rests upon you. And on their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin in the house of God, and if it first begins with us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Now, 
Um, verses 10, four, verses, uh, 1 Peter 10, 11. I think it means this. Some people well aware of their, some people well aware of their abilities believe they have the right to use them as they please. Others feel they have no special talent at all. In both groups, Peter addresses these verses. Everyone has some abilities, gifts, find yours and use them. All our, ability, all our abilities should be used in serving others. None are for our own exclusive enjoyment. Peter mentions preaching, speaking, and helping, ministering. Paul lists these and other abilities in Romans 12, 6, 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11, Ephesians 4, 11. Um, verse 11. How is God glorified when we use our abilities, when we use them as he directs to help others that will see Jesus in us and praise him for the help they have received? Peter may have been thinking of Jesus' words, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, Matthew 4, 16 4, uh, 5, and verse 16. 4, 14, 16. Again, Peter brings to mind Jesus' words, blessed are they when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, Matthew 5, 11. Christ will send his spirit to strengthen those who are persecuted for their faith. This does not mean that all suffering is a result of a good Christian conduct, however. Sometimes people will grumble. He's just picking on me because I'm a Christian. When it is obvious to everyone else that the person's own unpleasant behavior is the cause of his problems. It may take careful, it may take careful thought and wise counsel to determine the real cause of our suffering. We can be assured, however, that whenever we suffer because of our loyalty to Christ, he will be with us all the way. Verse 16, also, it is, it is not shameful to suffer for being a Christian. When Peter and John were persecuted for preaching the good news, they rejoiced because such persecution was a mark of God's approval for their work, Acts 5.41. Don't seek out suffering and don't try to avoid it. Instead, keep on doing what is right, regardless of the suffering it might bring. Verses 17 and 18, this refers not to the final judgment, but to God's refining discipline, Hebrews 12.7. God often allows believers to sin and then experience the consequences. He does this for several reasons. One, to show us our potential for sinning. Two, to encourage us to turn from sin and more constantly depend on him. Three, to prepare us to face other, to prepare us to face other, even stronger temptations in the future. And four, to help us stay faithful and keep, and keep on trusting him. If believers need earthly discipline, judgment from God, how much more will unbelievers receive? If believers are scarcely, barely saved only because of God's mercy or, on, or as some say, barely saved through persecution, what chance do those who have rejected Christ. Is there water in the world? <clears throat> mm. mm -mm. I'm sorry about this. I, I don't know. I think it's part nervousness, part talking. But all of a sudden, my mouth begins to feel like clay. Um, let me go on. 
And uh, verse 19, God created the world and he was faithfully ordered. God created the world and he has faithfully ordered it and kept it since the creation. Because we know God is faithful, we can count on him to fulfill his promises to us. If we can oversee the forces of nature, surely he can see through the trials we face. Thank you, Elder. If he can hold this whole universe in order and cause the seasons to come and go, and we believe that this is that, that, there, that there may be thousands of universes out there, truly, he will keep his promises that he's made for us. Excuse me. <clears throat> Let us now turn, please, to Romans 1, 21 through 32. Romans 1, 21 through 32. Twenty-one through thirty-two. Yes. This is not the. One. Is this the one that we read? Was that, that this was not the scripture reading, was it? No. Okay. Because that, if is everybody there? Mm -hmm. Amen. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Oh, this is the one. Um, oh, thank you, Malcolm. But they'll elder beat you to it. Thank you so much. I'm a, now, now the flood starts. <laughs> Don't want to flood me out. These uh, a set of circumstances, I, this was put on my heart to, get, to give to you. Um, but quite, quite frankly, I have to, have to say it's because I was hoping that, um, that my temporary housemates would be here today to hear this. So they wouldn't, wouldn't think that it's just me. Many times we we sin mm, because that's what we want to do. We want to sin. We are like, Lord, turn your face just a little bit away from this. Let me handle this problem. I can handle this problem. I have made that mistake so many times in my life, and it's turned out badly. The Lord tells us over and over again, not to do evil for evil, but to overcome evil with good. Those words just roll, out, just roll off my lips so easily. But that can be one of the hardest things in the world to do, to let go and let God. But this is why he takes our hearts. Our quivering hearts are cut by this planing knife if we allow ourselves to do that. Let him take over us. Let him mold us. This is why we are placed in, this, in these crucibles, to burn this fat off, to make us and fit us for heaven. We have to cooperate with him. We have to be willing to, to cooperate with him. This, with these particular passages that I'm about to read, we'll, we'll talk about a particular type of sin a particular type of sin that is um, an abomination in his sight. But if you think about it, all sin is an abomination in his sight. This is why he gave his own begot only begotten son, because of sin. But this particular one he talks about. So this particular one was just as prevalent in Paul's day as it is today. And I see this one so very often, it's, it's, it's scary about how prevalent this, this is. And it's by being committed by 
very, very educated and smart people. When it comes to education and smartness, that's one thing. That does not mean that person is a spiritual person because they're educated and smart. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the, un, like the corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and whispered and served the, the creature more, what did I say? And wor what, did I, what did I say? That's not, I didn't say worship, whispered. And worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. Thank you who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, for this cause people gave them, I'm sorry, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the, nature, the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which were not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisper, whisper, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covet breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. All right. Verses 1 to How could intelligent people turn to idolatry? Idolatry begins when people reject what they know about God. Instead of looking to him as the creator and sustainer of life, they see themselves as the center of the universe. Listen to the guys, who will be able to stand? They soon invent gods that are convenient projections of their own selfish ideas. These gods may be gold, may be wooden features, figures, but they also may be goals such as money, power, and comfort. They may even be misrepresentations of God himself, making God in our own image instead of the reverse. The common denominator is this, idolaters worship the things which God made rather than God himself. Is there anything you feel you can't live without? Is there any priority greater than God? Do you have a dream you would sacrifice everything to realize? Does God take first place? Do you worship God or idols in your own making? If there is such a thing, pray to God, Lord, please remove that thing that keeps me from putting you first. Verses 24 uh, and 32. These people choose to reject God, and God allowed them to do it. God does not, usual, does not usually stop us from making choices against our will. 
He lets us declare our supposed independence from him, even though he knows that in time, we will become slaves to our own rebellious choices. We will lose our freedom not to sin. Does life without God look like freedom to you? Look more closely. There is no worse slavery than slavery to sin. Verse 25, people tend to believe lies that reinforce their own selfishness or personal beliefs. This day and age, with all the knowledge that's going around with, well, with the whole universe at our fingertips with these cell phones, we can tune in to all different types of information from all over the world just right at our fingertips. Those distractions cause us also to plug into things that we should not be watching, we should not be listening to, that help to form our belief system. We, in, we really need to guard what we hear and what we allow ourselves to see. Because we all, and I learned this since I have been a seven-day Adventist, that we, um, that by beholding, we become changed. That, that, that is a truism, just as true as I'm standing here and then you're sitting there. By beholding, you become changed. Especially with, with young people, as well as the old, there are certain things that we should not allow our minds to meditate on. There's certain things that we should not that we should avoid. Um, today, more than ever, we need to be careful about the input we allow to form our beliefs. With TV, music, movies, and the rest of the media, media often presenting sinful lifestyles and unwholesome values, we find ourselves constantly bombarded with attitudes and beliefs totally opposed to the Bible. Be careful about what you, what you allow to form your opinions. The Bible is the only standard of truth. Evaluate all other opinions in light of its teachings. Verses 26 and 27, God's plan, for, God's plan for natural sexual relationship is his ideal for his creation. Amen. Unfortunately, sin distorts the natural use of God's gifts. Sin often means not only denying God, but also denying the way we are made. When people say that any sex act is acceptable so long as nobody gets hurt, they are fooling themselves. In the long run, and often in the short run, sin hurts people, individuals and families, and whole societies. How sad that people who worship these things God made instead of the creator so often distort and destroy the very things they claim to value. Homosexuality, to change or leave the natural use of sex was as widespread in Paul's day as it is in ours. Many pagan practices encouraged it. God is willing to receive anyone who comes to him in faith, and Christians should love and accept others no matter what their background. Yet, homosexuality is strictly forbidden in the scriptures, Leviticus 18.22. Homosexuality is considered an acceptable practice by many in our world today, even by some churches. But society does not set the standard for God's law. Many homosexuals believe that their desires are natural and they have the right to express them. But God does not encourage us to fulfill all of our desires, even normal ones. Those desires that violate his laws must be controlled. If you have a desire that you, that you can, if you have these desires, you can and must resist acting upon them. Consciously avoid places and activities 
you know will kindle temptations. Don't underestimate the power of Satan to tempt you or to or the potential of serious harm if you continue to yield to these temptations. Remember, God can and will forgive sexual sins just as he forgives other sins. Surrender yourself to the grace and mercy of God who will be able to stand. Asking him to show you the way out of sin and into the light of his freedom and his love. Prayer, Bible study, and loving support of Christians in a Bible-believing church can help you gain strength to resist these powerful temptations. If you are already deeply involved in a homosexual behavior, seek help from a trustworthy professional Christian counselor. First, in verse 32, how are these people aware of God's death penalty? Human beings created in God's image have a basic moral nature and a conscience. The truth is, understood beyond religious circles, psychologists, for example, say that the rare person who has no conscience has a serious personality disorder. Who has no conscience has a serious one that is extremely difficult to treat. Most people instinctively know when they do wrong, but they may not care. Some people will even ask an early, I'm sorry, some people will even risk an early death for the freedom to indulge their desires now. I know it's wrong, but I really want to they say, or I know it's dangerous, but it's worth the risk. Or they might say, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. God's law, the community's moral standards, common sense, or their own sense of right and wrong. But deep down inside, they know that sin deserves the punishment of death. Romans 6.23. Let's turn over a few more pages to Romans 5, 1 through 11. Enough of that particular sin. Let's take a look now at the joy of faith. Faith brings joy. Remember, who, Ill, who will be able to, to stand? Those who have faith. Faith. Therefore, being justified by faith, are we there? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith unto his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulations work, work with patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And this was our opening statement, wasn't it? Okay. And hope worketh not ashamed, maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed ab abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Okay. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely if for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled as we, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And 
Yes. We now have peace with God, which may differ from peaceful feelings such as calmness and tranquility. Peace with God means that we have been reconciled with him. Can't always go by our feelings. Remember, we have inside of us a heart that's desperately wicked, and who can know it? We can't always go by our feelings. So instead of feeling anything, this, this tranquility that verse 1 speaks of is a calmness, uh, peace with God, which means that we have been reconciled with him. This is that peace um, that goes beyond our understanding. There is no more hostility between us. No sin blocking our relationship with him. Peace with God is possible only because Jesus paid the price for our sins through his death on the cross. Verse 2, Paul states that as believers, we now stand in a place of the highest privilege. This grace within, wherein we stand, this grace wherein we stand. Not only has God declared us not guilty, he has drawn us close to him. Instead of being enemies, we have become his friends. In fact, his own children. John 15, 15, Galatians 5, 4, 5. As Paul states clearly in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, faith, hope, and love are at the heart of the Christian life. Our relationship with God begins with faith. Which, help us, which helps us realize that we are de delivered from our past by God's death. Hope grows as we learn all that God has in mind for us. It gives us the promise of the future, and God's love fills our lives and gives us the ability to reach out to others. For the first century Christian, suffering was the rule rather than the exception. Paul tells us that in the future we will become, but until then we must overcome. This means we will experience difficulties that, help us, that helps us grow. This is five, three, and four. We rejoice in suffering, not because we like pain or deny its tragedy, but because we know God is using life's difficulties and Satan's attacks to build our character. The problems that we run into will develop our patience, which in turn will strengthen our character, deepen our trust in God, and give us greater confidence about the future. You probably find your patience tested in some way every day. Thank God for those opportunities to grow and to deal with them in his strength. See James 1, 2 through 4, Peter 1, 6 through 7. Verses 5 and 6. All three members of the Trinity are involved in salvation. The Father loves us so much that he spent that he sent his son to bridge the gap between us. John 3, 16. The Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit The Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit to fill our lives with love and to enable us to live by his power. Acts 1.18. With all this loving care, how can, how can we do less than serve him completely? We were helpless because we could do nothing, verse 6, on our own to save ourselves. Someone had to come and rescue us. Christ came at exactly the right time in history, according to God's own schedule. God controls all of history, and he controlled the timing method and events surrounding Jesus' death. Verse 8, while we were yet sinners, these are amazing words. God sent Jesus Christ to die for us, not because we were good enough, but because he loved us so much. Whenever you feel uncertain, about God's love for you, 
Remember that he loved you even before you turned to him. Verses 9 and 10, the love that caused Christ to die is the same love that sends the Holy Spirit to live in us and to guide us every day. The power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that saved you and is available to you in your daily life. Be assured that having begun a life with Christ, you have, you have a reserve of power and love to call on each day to help you meet every challenge or trial. You can pray for God's power and love as you need it. God is holy, verse 11, God is holy and he will not be associated with sin. All people are sinful and all sin deserves punishment. Instead of punishing us with the death we deserve, however, Christ took our sins upon himself and paid the price for them with his own death. Now we can joy in God through faith in his work. We become his friends rather than being enemies and outcasts. Amen. Um, Signs of the Times, November 18th, 1903. The power of effectual prayer. Seek you the Lord while you may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let them return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. We are to seek the first kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are to be ready to receive the blessings which God can bestow upon those who seek him with the whole heart in sincerity and truth. We must keep the heart open if we will receive the grace of Christ. By keeping this heart open, we allow that planning knife to cut our heart, to shape our hearts. We allow ourselves to be placed in that cubicle. As we learned today in, Sa in Sabbath services, we were told when the, when the frying pan gets hot, we are to stay in the frying pan and not jump into the, into the fire. So stay where we are, let ourselves be, be pruned. We are not to be overwhelmed with the thought of our sins and errors that we shall cease to pray. Some realize their great weakness and sin and become discouraged. Satan casts his dark shadow between them and the Lord, their, at their atoning sacrifice. They say it is useless for me to pray. My prayers are so mingled with evil thoughts that the Lord may not hear them. These suggestions are from Satan. In his humility, Christ met and resisted these temptations, and he knows how to succor those who are thus tempted. In our behalf, he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. Signs of the Time, November 18th, 1903, page paragraph 13. Do not, because your thoughts are evil, cease to pray. Who will be able to stand? Those who will not cease to pray. If we could in any, if we, if we could in our own wisdom and strength pray aright, we could also live aright and would need no atoning sacrifice. But imperfection is upon all humanity. Educate and train the mind that you may in simplicity tell the Lord what you need. As you offer your petitions to God, seeking for forgiveness for sin, a pure and holier atmosphere will surround your soul. Signs of the Times, November 18th, 1903, paragraph 15. And lastly, in my life today, 
God permits trials and afflictions to purify me. March 29th. Enduring trials. Let us endure these trials. Well, how are we going to do that? But who may abide the day of, this com of his coming? Or who shall stand when he, approach it, uh, when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. A refiner, that's Malachi 3, verses 2 and 3. A refiner, purifying, a refining, purifying process is going on among the people of God. And the Lord of hosts has set his hand to this work. This process is most trying to the soul, but it is necessary in order that defilement may be removed. Trials are essential in order that we may be brought closer to our Heavenly Father in submission to his will, that we may offer unto God an offering in righteousness. The Lord brings his children over the same ground again and again, increasing the pressure until perfect humility fills the mind and the character is transformed. Then they are victorious over self and in harmony with Christ and the spirit of heaven. The purification of God's people cannot be accomplished without suffering. The purification of God's people cannot be accomplished without suffering. He passes us from one fire to another, testing our true worth. True grace is, is willing to be tried. True grace is willing to be tried. If we are loath to be searched by the Lord, our condition is one of peril. Mm. I'm almost done. Last paragraph. <clears throat> it is in mercy that God reveals to men their hidden defects. He, he, he would have them critically examine the complicated emotions and motives of their own hearts and detect that which is wrong and modify their dispositions and refine their manners. God would have his servants become acquainted with their own hearts. In order to bring to them a true knowledge of their condition, he permits the fire of affliction to assail them so that they may be purified. The trials of life are God's workmen to remove the impurities, infirmities, and roughness from our characters and to fit them for the, for the society of pure heavenly angels in glory. The fire will not consume us, but only remove the dos, and we shall come forth seven times purified, bearing the imprint, the impress of the divine. So let us surrender ourselves to the, to the crucible. Let us thank God for the crucible, for without this crucible, we cannot be fitted for heaven. If there's anyone, I'd like to make an appeal now for anyone who has not known Christ, would like to get to know him better so that they may be able to develop his holy righteous character. If so, just raise your hand. And if on this road uh, we would like to continue and dedicate ourselves even more firmly, even more convictedly to his, to his uh, calling, to his leaning, uh, please raise your hand as well. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Thank you so much for your attention. Thank you for being here today. And uh, that's my sermon. <laughs>